Well, hey, uh, let me give you, uh, we are in a series called The Four Pillars, and we are actually working them backwards. So the four pillars are uh, to engage, to identify, to empower, and to multiply uh, the people of God's kingdom. And we've been working it backwards. You, with the end in mind, we started with two weeks on multiply, two weeks on empower. And this weekend, I was going to start uh, the two weeks on identify. Um, but here's um, what happened. A couple weeks ago, uh, Rob had an accident where he was using a table, a table saw and caught his fingers in the saw and cut them pretty pretty badly, actually had nerve damage. And so he went to an appointment on Thursday and they said, hey, you're going to need to have surgery. And the only time we can do it is next Friday. Now, he was slated to preach next weekend. And I said, hey, listen, Rob, as much fun as it would be to listen to you teach on narcotics. <laughs> the, I don't think I want to let you do that. Um, as a matter of fact, in just a minute, you'll think maybe he is already on narcotics. Um, Rob's just got that, yeah, it's just, it's just such a... Synapse, that's what it is, synapse. synapse. They're not firing all the time for yes. all of us, but it was just... <laughs> so we flip-flopped, uh, and um, here's what's really cool. We have a teaching team that is, you know, trying to plan out, and we're, we were actually a couple weeks ahead. We had talked about yeah. his message. He had already put his notes together, so we were able to flip-flop this. Now, uh, I want you to know... Next week, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be talking uh, what God has put in my heart in regards to identity and, and identifying who you are in Christ and how he sees you. But this man right here, of all of our staff, I'm just here to tell you, he and his wife, if you could hear the prayers that they pray for you, if you could understand the heart that he has for you and wanting you to know who you are in Jesus Christ, if you knew, I mean, the just how much is in his heart. I mean, he bleeds this identity stuff. And so I know I've said it the last two times when DJ's got up, but I would be remiss if I didn't allow him to get up and speak to you about identity because, uh, man, it just runs through his veins. And so would you guys give me a warm, or give him a warm shine welcome. Rob Thank Painter. You. Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be in town all week. It's good to have you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, got some good things to share with you this morning from the Word of God. And some of this uh, had, had a tremendous impact in my life over the years. And so what I want to share with you is what I would call uh, essential truth. There, there's some things going on. If this thing starts farting like today, I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm farting up here, but it's not. It's, it's, uh, it's the, the sound. And that's my fault. I could just use the mic. Interference. Is it back on? So what I want to share with you is some of my story uh, and, and inter intervened with uh, some of this essential truth because to me, there, there, is, there is truth in God's word that, man, if you only have half of that, then, then it's not going to be able to reproduce, right? So it's almost like this. A seed is the plant, a plant in essence. If you, if you divide the seed anymore, then you are going to not have the seed. I'm going to use that. Turn it off. Turn that stupid thing off, and let's just get down to business here. Amen, brothers and sisters. Woo-hoo-hoo. Woo, I feel it coming on me. Sorry. Uh, but if you have 
if you, so if you only have half the seed, man, and you plant a half a seed, what do you think is going to happen? It's not going to do anything because the, the seed is plant in essence. So the truth of God is just like that. It's, it's like a seed. If you try to divide that any further, it, it's not truth anymore. So a lot of what I'm going to share with you is some of the truth that I had not understood for many years. This is foundational. It's, uh, it's one of those things that, man, it, some of you may have already known this for years, but I didn't. And so for the first 40 years of my life, I, 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 I came to know Jesus when I was 19 years old back in 1985. I was at the University of Arizona. And I really know that I received Christ then. And I was involved with a a very intense evangelistic church, boots to the ground, preach the gospel. If they don't believe it, shoot them and move on to the next person. That's, that's what we believed. Hey, man, you don't get this later. I'm going to go to the next guy. That's kind of what it was like. And so I had the, the gospel of Jesus died for me. I'm a sinner. I, I believe all that. But, man, I never saw this other side. And so this, this is what I'm talking about. It's essential truth. And I just want to pray that God would open our hearts to receive some of his truth this morning. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Your truth sets us free, and I pray that you would deposit your truth, your love, your foundational love for us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the scripture that, uh, the scri- <coughs> scripture that, you, uh, that I want to share with you is... It's in 1 Peter. This is going to be the foundational scripture that we're using for all of this series on identity. And it's in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I should have had that pulled up, but I didn't. And uh, it's, there it is. I had my little thing there. So I want to read this to you because this is truly what happens when we are in a place where we receive Christ. Okay, so you aren't, you're not in Christ, but all of a sudden you receive him. And this is what God says about you, but you are a choice, a chosen race. This is first Peter chapter, uh, chapter two, verse nine and 10. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now that is good news right there. And that's essentially what I want to talk to you about today, because when that happens, when you are in a place where God calls you out of darkness, there's essentially two things. Hey, there's a scripture. It's right there. You guys can see it. Look at that. And uh, two things that happen, two, two main points to what I want to share with you today. Before we know Christ, that's what the Bible calls you are in Adam. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe that. When you come to know Jesus, the Bible says you are in Christ. So there's two, two things here, two, two people on the planet. Either you are in Adam or you are in Christ. There is no other gray area. That's, that's the issue. But I understood some of that. But I want to share with you kind of the other part. I call this two sides of the cross, really. Uh, and if you don't understand this, like I didn't, man, you, if you don't have understanding when, when someone's communicating to you, then you don't communicate. Isn't that right? I mean, you know all this in marriage counseling or any kind of counseling. If you, if you can express what you want, what you feel, and you have a good listener, and there's good communication, you're sharing, man, and there's understanding that's passed to each person, then you have communication. Well, God was communicating, he was speaking, but man, I didn't understand it. Does that make sense? So I was confused. I only had half the truth. Let me give you a little story of illustrating the power of 
misunderstanding, miscommunication. So go back about, gosh, probably 25 or 30 years ago. I'm walking around on the University of Arizona campus, and I was a young campus minister. We used to go to fraternities uh, on Saturday night at like midnight, 1130, because that's where kind of the guys that didn't find a girl and going out and partying, they were kind of home playing Uno and watching Netflix and stuff like that, eating popcorn, Cheetos. So they'd be all lonely, and we'd go there and try to meet with them. Well, we go to this fraternity, and uh, my friend Brian, he introduces me to these guys, and then he goes off and starts talking to somebody, and I'm standing there talking to this guy. Uh, he's watching some movie, like Pearl Harbor or something. It was really loud. It was like wood floor, so it was echoey. I'm like, huh? So I go, hey, how, how you doing? I'm making small talk. My name's Rob. What's your name? And he goes, Panzanski. I go, Panzanski? What an amazing name. I'm not kidding you. This is what I said to him. Where are you from? Did you grow up here in America? I mean, where? And he goes, no, I'm from Scottsdale, Arizona. And he's looking at me, and I'm like, man, Panzanski. You know, my name's simple. It's R-O-B. It's Rob. And uh, I wasn't messing with him either. I go, it's really simple. Man, where are you from? He goes, yeah, I grew up in Scottsdale. It's great. Well, we leave about 30 minutes later, and I'm walking to the car with my friend. I go, what, a, what an interesting guy, Panzanski, your friend. And Brian goes, what? I go, Panzanski, I just talked to him for 30 minutes. He told me his life story. He goes, his name's not Panzanski, it's Pat Starkey. I've <laughs> been calling him Panzanski for 30 minutes, and he probably thought I was the weirdest. He goes, this guy's a minister, and he's messing with me, and he's just, hey, Panzanski, how you doing? You know, I, and I, I tell you what, I felt like such an idiot. But that is a good example, right, of miscommunication. I did not understand what he was saying, so I didn't have... I didn't have understanding. But what I want to share with you is this issue of Christ in you, the hope of glory. First Colossians chapter 27 or verse 27 says, this is an amazing mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we're going to unpackage that a little bit and talk about what that really means. Because if you understand, if I understand Christ in me, the hope of glory, it's foundational to our walk. It's, it's the gospel. It's what Peter Paul, especially all the, all the gentlemen that knew Jesus, they preached it, especially Paul, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There, there was something Paul was willing to die for. He was willing to be beat for. And if anybody added anything to Christ, then Paul was adamantly opposed to them. And you'll see it in his, in his epistles, man. He would say, don't let anybody shortchange you, lie to you, and say to you, Jesus plus something else. Don't go there. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he was willing to go to the mat on that one. So I want to show with you a little bit about how this happens spiritually, what this means. But before I do, I want to ask you a question. And you guys will, can tell me. What happened to you personally when you received Christ? Give me some, some things that happened to you, whether you felt what you felt, what you experienced Anybody? And I'm, I'm going to repeat it because they can't hear it on Facebook. So I'm going to go ahead and repeat what you say. Anybody? Curtis? Broken. Felt broken. Good. Yes. Cleansed. That's a great word. Cleansed. What else? Renewed. That's awesome. All these are true. There is no right or wrong answer, by the way. This isn't a pop quiz. You're not going to be, you're not going to. Oh, what? I'm sorry. Kenny. There, where? I didn't see him. Oh, I'm sorry, Kenny. I'm sorry, I was looking there. Reborn, awesome. 
That is so good. Anybody else? I saw a hand back there somewhere. Yeah, Alex. Free. Anybody else? Wow. Man, you know what? I, ex- I think I experienced something like that, too. I felt the love of God just touch me in such a way it just overwhelmed me. Yeah. Loved. Accepted. Cherished. Unconditional love. These are all personal things that we experience when we receive Christ. Yes, I see that hand. Open communication. See, you're a lot smarter than me because God was speaking all the time, but I, I just didn't understand him. It was like he was speaking in a foreign language or something for a long time. So I didn't get it, but that's good. Open communication. Anybody else? Yeah. You felt hated by who? Satan. Hated by Satan. It's true, isn't it? We, we are, it's not just he's a bad guy trying to, trying to mess with your mind. He is trying to kill you. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to destroy you. And God literally says, in his word in Colossians, he transfers us out of that dark kingdom and transfers us into the kingdom of his son to save us. Well, what I want to describe to you today is what happens spiritually. So you can have an understanding of that because this, to me, in my opinion, is bedrock truth. And it's something you can stand on. And if anybody ever tells you it's not true, then you need to, I would encourage you to go to the word yourself and you find what you believe. But this is what I found I believe. And when I go back to my story, when, when I was 40, I had a mental breakdown. Uh, I had tried very hard to make all of uh, pleasing God and trying to be a good Christian and trying to work real hard and do all that stuff and, you know, have my behavior modified or whatever. And, man, I couldn't do it anymore. And um, I had a mental uh, breakdown. I, I was living in Phoenix at the time, and the only place you know, that I, I could come to that I found help was Denver because my, my, uh, my, uh, my counselor in Phoenix said, I can't help you anymore. You're beyond my skill set. <laughs> That's always encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, son, you're beyond my skill set. Need to send you off somewhere else. <laughs> so I'm looking down. Okay. So he says, you need a psychiatrist and you need to go after theophostic prayer. And I'd never heard of theophostic prayer. I don't want to go into that. But basically, it's replacing any lies in your heart with truth. That's really what it comes down to, letting God speak truth to you, man. Because there were some lies in my life that I had believed. And part of it was what I'm going to share. This half-truth was Jesus died for me. But the part I didn't know and I, and I was believing a lie is that now i got to really work really hard to please him again. He gave 100%. You better give 150%. You need to really know how to live this Christian life. You want to be an elder in the church, you better have your poop in a group. Can I say that from the pulpit? <laughs> Sorry, I just did. always wonder what that would actually look like. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't think anybody has their poop in a group. Anyway, back to the sermon. Uh, <laughs> I... Uh, I only had half that truth, so I, you know, I was functioning out of some lies, and God had, had a heart for me to, to, to set me free, so I came here to Denver and found some counseling through a place called Exchange Life Ministries, and some of you may have heard of it, some of you may not, but man, for about four years, I, I immersed myself in, in some new things about God's grace, God's freedom, God's love for me, and I was starting to feel again. I was very numb. I, I, I couldn't... Uh, I didn't know, I, I knew Jesus, but I had no feeling for him anymore. I had no desire to read the word. I, I'd even pick up the word, and I'd almost feel physically sick. That's how 
That's how bad, because every time I read it, I felt condemned, because I, I, lo- I looked at it through a lens like, you got to work harder, man. And I was so exhausted and so tired and so mentally stressed that I couldn't do it anymore. And that's when I felt God say, son, I never asked you to do that. And I felt his love and his warmth come through some of what I'm going to share with you because, man, I never saw it. I don't, I don't know why, uh, but I never saw it. So can you guys pull up that slide, the three parts, man, slide? And I want to explain this to you. No, that's the, that's the, that's the special one. Look at those slides, by the way. Aren't they cool looking? Yeah, yeah. Said it last night. This is some good stuff. All right, here we go. Body, soul, and spirit. Now, what this is is, is what the Bible refers to or doesn't refer to it. It's what I would refer to as three-part man. And this is common. Everybody knows this, right? We are essentially three parts, body, soul, and spirit. It says it in several places, but the, the one I think is the clearest for a three-part man is in First Thessalonians chapter 5. I think it's verse 23. And Paul is basically saying, hey, may the God of peace himself sanctify you. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete. So that, to me, is three parts. Some people argue that it's two parts, right? DJ, wouldn't you say? I mean, they say, like, the soul and the spirit are one thing, and there's a body. I don't want to split hairs, but I believe it's three, three parts. And here's, here's what I mean by that. That middle part, the spirit, that's your most, that, that is the most essential part of you in terms of your identity. That's who you truly are. That's what the Bible says. So something happens to that when you get born again, but I didn't know. I thought that, yeah, I received Christ, but now I got to work real hard. There's almost like a duality in there. I, I, you know, there's a good Rob and a bad Rob, and when I do good, uh, that's, that's really good. But when I do bad, man, I'm such a sinner. Let me ask you guys a question. Whoa, getting excited. Let me ask you a question. Who here, who here is a sinner? I disagree with you. You know why? Because that's not what the Bible says anymore. This is what changed me. Now, I'm not talking about looking at your behavior. I'm not talking about, wow, I sinned last night. I just sinned five minutes ago. You know, I sinned this morning. That's not what I'm talking about. Because if you keep looking at that, if I keep looking at that, if we look at that, you will always be trapped in that reality of, man, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But Jesus says something different. Jesus says that in that innermost part of you, the moment you receive Christ, he takes you out of being an Adam, which I'm going to explain in a moment, and puts you in Christ, and you were made righteous. You're no longer a sinner. You're no longer that. Now, if people split hairs over this, man, but I'm telling you, that I am convinced that if I don't believe that I'm no longer a sinner and I keep looking at all that, then that's what I'm going to keep doing. And I'll still be caught up in all that. Man, I'm just this and I'm just that. But the more that I look at the new part of me and understand what God actually did in my spirit and focus on that, begin to renew my mind to that, man, I walk in that freedom. I walk in the freedom that Christ always set me free for. But, man, I didn't know this until I was 40, until I almost lost my mind. Seriously, I was this close to getting probably that close. See how small that is? It's close. Uh, to having, like, shock treatment and stuff, man. You ever guys ever read the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? You ever hear that book? The dude loses his mind because he was going after truth. He, I don't know if he was a believer. I, I doubt it. But, man, he, he, he basically refers to God and everything. But, man, he actually lost his mind because he couldn't find an answer to the problem that he had. And we have the solution. Don't we? 
Jesus Christ. So let me explain to you this thing about being in Adam. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because that's the bad news. I want to spend more time on the good news. You know what I'm saying? So in Adam, can you pull up that slide? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to get to the two sides of the cross in a little bit. I'm throwing you guys a curveball. See, these guys know I have all these slides over there. So it, let me explain this in Adam. So he, here's the issue. Bible says back in Genesis, you know, and I'm just going to briefly fly through this pretty quickly. Uh, Adam is placed in this garden that God created, and uh, he was asked, you know, take care of it and all that, but he's, he was told not to, not to eat of the tree of the, uh, the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, right? But he chose to do that. Now, some people look at that as he just picked an apple and ate it, and he died, and he was bummed out, and it was like he broke a rule. That is not what really the Bible is saying. There, there is an essential truth that God told Adam, I am life. The moment you try to get life outside of me, you will die. That's a law of the universe, man. And when he did that, whatever he did, it was essentially it looked good, it felt good, looked, smelled good, whatever, touched, made you wise. He did it. All, he's, all it's saying is the moment he chose to do that, to get life outside of God, he died. So we come from Adam, right? That's what this is trying to show you. In the garden, he fell, the fall, and every person after him has the same disease. You know what it is? Dead. Dead to God. Dead to God. And imagine that last person being you. See that last person up there? Okay? And then the two before that, that's your mom and dad. Now, just go with me on this. This is probably not the best analogy, but I think it works. Imagine those two people right before you, your mom and dad, and if they died when they were 10 years old, where would you be? You would have shown up missing, right? Not true? You wouldn't be. Why? Now, follow me. Because when they died, you died, right? When Adam died, we died. goes all the way back. When he sinned, we sinned. When he was condemned, we were condemned. I was condemned. You were condemned. There's no hope. And hell isn't just a place that God's so mad and he's throwing everybody in hell. That is not the issue. The issue is we're dead, and if you don't come back alive in your spirit, you will be dead eternally. That's what hell is, separated. God doesn't want us to be separated, right? So that's being an Adam. Something happens, though, when you make a decision to believe in Christ. There's scriptures here, and you can follow in your notes. I'm not going to be able to go over all of them, but in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about what it is in being Adam. But you were born dead. You were born in your trespasses. You're separated. There's no hope. There's nothing you could ever do. And everybody gets all mad about that, and it's true. 1 Corinthians says this, as in Adam, chapter, uh, I think it's 15, verse 22, all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So there's a, there's a transference of something that happens when you get saved. And it's, not, it's more than, it, it, when we believe, that, that is true, and we believe, and it's by faith. But I want to show you what happens spiritually so you can stand on that, if that makes sense. So now, you were in Adam, and all of a sudden, you know, whatever. We go downtown or whatever, and we're, well, let me, let me get to that in a second. How about this? You're sitting there. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're sitting there, and you receive Christ, however this happened to you. I was in my apartment. I was 19 years old. I believed in Jesus. So this is what I believe the Scripture says. Now you go from in Adam spiritually to where? In Christ. 
So let's, it, let me explain to you what that looks like. There's a transference. You are translated, it says basically in Colossians 1.13, he transfers you out of darkness into the, beloved, his, the, the kingdom of his beloved son. You are transferred. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So just like what happened to Adam, happened to me. Can you guys pull up the in Christ slide? The same thing is true in Christ. Now listen to this. What happened to Jesus happened to you and me spiritually. In other words, the moment he takes you out of Adam because you believe in him, you prayed, whatever age, whatever time, whatever place, he takes you out of Adam and puts you in Christ. And, and what that means is when he died, you died. When he was buried, you, you were buried. And when you, he rose, you rose. Now, what the heck are you talking about, Rob? I mean, I'm here on planet Earth. I'm talking about spiritually. So the moment you receive Christ, this is what I believe happens. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't think this is, I think it's right. And I think you guys can go after this yourself and see it in Scripture if you don't already believe it. I didn't believe this. That's why it blew my mind. It's like being born again, again. I was like, whoa. So imagine you sitting there and you go, Jesus, I believe in you. Here's what I believe Scripture says. The moment you do that, you receive his life, which is eternal life, isn't it? He's the only one in the universe who has eternal life. So you receive that life, and then because God's outside of time, he takes that unregenerate dead part of you that we inherited from Adam that should have housed his life, and he takes it through time and nails it to the cross in Christ. So when he died, that old you died. It's no longer alive. And when he was buried, guess what? You were buried. It says it in Romans 6. You're, my old man, my old sinful nature was crucified with him. And I never understood how could that happen. He's talking about spiritually. And, man, if I think somehow I've got to resurrect that old man, or not resurrect him, what, what would be the word? If I, if I continue to live out of that old man, I'm going to follow all of that stuff because if it's a wrong, it's not true. Do you, do you see what I mean? But that's not what happens what happened to Jesus happened to you, happened to me. And then when he rose, guess what? You rose with him, and you have a new identity, and it's brand new. And Jesus said, old things pass away, new things come. All things are new. Amen. Isn't that exciting? And, and I know you guys know this, but see, I don't know why I couldn't put my mind around the fact that, wait a minute, God's in me, and, and I have a whole new life? That's true. And that life... That new identity is Christ in you, made righteous, made holy, made perfect, regardless of your behavior. Regardless of your behavior. And that blows me away. Because in Romans 5, it says this, if sin abounds, you know what else abounds even more? Grace and freedom in Christ. It's a principle. It's a law of God. You, could, you cannot out-sin God. And eventually, you get sick of it anyway, and you're tired of looking at it, going, oh, I just blew it again, blew it again. Why, I got an idea. Why don't I look at who I really am and function from that, <laughs> that reality? And that's when life really happens, and I'm, I'm excited. And that's why I believe it said, Christ, you need the hope of the glory. You know why? Because people will see Jesus in you, not so much teaching a Bible study, but doing what you do, teaching, loving people, walking little old ladies across the street to get potatoes at King Super. Paying your taxes on time. Getting a haircut. People will see Christ in you without anything you do. And that brings glory to God. That's the glory. And someone said to me last night, it was true. Glory, excuse me, hope 
The hope of glory, that's a fact. That's not just a wish. That's a fact. That's a fact in history that changes everything, and it's powerful. And here's what else you need to know before I wrap up here. When you came into Christ and you died, there's three things the Bible said you died to. You know what they are? Sin. Don't have time to go into this. This would be a whole other message, but, man, it's, it's good stuff. The law, and then the third one is yourself as a point of reference. So I never, ever want to go back to going, yeah, well, I'm just not, that's just not who I am. I, I, and we struggle with this every day. But God in his love says, no, remember what I did. Remember who you are in me. That's your identity. That's who you are. And you know what happens, at least for me? Then I forget about all the stupid little sins I do because I got my eyes focused on Christ and me, not me, because I died to me. Does that make sense? <laughs> make sense? I died. There's a true story of a little old lady that said she, kept, she finally caught this and she started yelling from the crowd, I, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. And some guy goes, what are you talking about? And this revolution, revel, revelation, which is a revolution, hit her. I'm dead. Praise God for that. Well, you know what? <laughs> not that she's dead. I don't mean that. I'm not thanking God that she's dead. I'm sure she was a sweet lady. <laughs> probably, probably made really good soup and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, man. So fun. You're made righteous. You're made holy. You're accepted. You can't add to it. There's no duality. Paul said and was willing to fight Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that's it. Matter of fact, he was willing to go to the mat over it because in his day, there were people sneaking in and trying to add more to Jesus. You know what I mean? They were trying to add more law to it. Yeah, there's Christ. It's good. He died. But you got to do this. And there's Christ, but now you got to be circumcised. And Paul actually got to the point, you can read it for yourself in Philippians. It's really kind of a cool thing. He actually compares circumcision. Do you imagine? Hey, Bill, you got a pretty good circumcision there, but uh, mine's even better. That's what he said. Read it. Circumcised the eighth day. A Pharisee. I know the law better than anybody. But if you were to judge me by the law, perfect. What's he saying? If I'm going to rely on what I think I can do to prove myself to God and my performance and go back to my old self, then guess what, man? Paul said, I far more can rely on that because he was... He was an amazing guy. He had a good pedigree, didn't he? Better than mine. If you look up dysfunction in the Bible, you'll see a picture of my family right there. I promise you. In the Bible? Did I say Bible? I mean dictionary. I meant dictionary, not the Bible. I'm not in the Bible that way. So as I wrap up, I just want to say this. As I begin to believe this and understand this truth that I'm in Christ, it changes my belief system, right? What we believe directly affects our behavior. So if I'm believing that and functioning in that, not looking at all the bad stuff I do, I stop doing the bad stuff. It's not so much I'm trying harder not to do the bad stuff. Do you see what I mean? Because that's not who I am. God's saying, that's not who you are, son. Don't act that way. You're this. And I'm like, thank you. And he's like, you're welcome. Then he usually tells me a joke, and I start laughing really hard because he's good. Living from his spirit in us is, is what his desire is for. Let me ask you a question before, again, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. I'm beginning to close. That's a difference. Beginning to close is different than closing. What is God's greatest purpose for us, do you think? Bring glory. What else? Bring glory. What else? Communion. Love. How about serve? 
What else? Dun, 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 dun. Anybody else? Oh, us? Yeah. Obey. Good. Bring glory to him. What else? Be an example. So here's what I want to submit to you. All those are right. They're all right. But I, I think there's an even greater purpose. And this is, what I, this is my opinion, but I believe it's true. Here's what I believe is God's greatest purpose for us. To reveal his life in and through Jesus and to reveal Jesus in and through you and me. That's his, that brings glory to him. And it's not about your behavior. It's about Christ in you. The, the, see the difference? If I get so, so caught up in my behavior, man, I'm going to quit and, and not run, keep running the race. But Paul says, don't quit. Even Winston Churchill said that, didn't he? Never stop or never give up. Never, 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 never. It was really good. <laughs> Jesus living his life in and through us is victorious living. Now, I want to go back to something I should have shared in the beginning. Can you pull up the two sides of the cross, and then this is how I'm going to close. I want you to remember this picture. There's another cool slide, isn't it? Look at that. Two aspects of salvation. This is going back to my first point. I only had half the cross. Saved from my sin. There's two sides of the cross. I believe this. On the one side is your sin, your behavior, the problem there. Number one, I've sinned. I'm a sinner, however you want to say it. Number two, this is the solution. Christ died for me. And number three, I accept the gift of eternal life. I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, right? Every believer knows that part. But, man, I submit to you, I had no idea about the other part. And this was, you've got to have both parts to have that seed. That's truth. On that side, I'm saved from myself. Um, my identity is no longer me, but I still struggle being me. I'm a selfer. I'm living out and I'm failing, trying to please God, trying harder to do stuff, trying better to do all of these things. And man, I never knew this, but I believe it's true. You cannot live the Christian life. You can't do it. Only Jesus can, and he did it, and he lived it, and he gave you his life to live it. So all I'm saying is let, us, let, let him do it through us, as you, not me, but as you. Okay, so that's the problem on that side. I'm a selfer and a failure. Two, here's the key to this whole thing, I believe. I died with Christ. That's what happened. Spiritually, you died. Paul knew it. How could he say in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He had a revelation that he actually died with Christ. Now, do you think Paul was still sinning at the time? <laughs> do you think he became sinless like he just stopped sinning? I don't either. He struggled. I don't know exactly what he struggled with, but I know he struggled. He's a human being. But he didn't focus on all of that. He was beaten. He was tortured. He had all kind of stuff going on because he was trying to teach people that you died with Christ. It's no longer you who live. And then the third one, trust Christ to be your life. Do you see the difference? Two sides. I hope that helps. I hope that shows you the, the love that God has for us, that it's total, that what he did is complete. It's, you can't add to it. You can't take away from it. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He loves you, and that's victorious living. It says in Colossians, as you receive, this is chapter 2, I believe, uh, verse 6, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. 
So I want to leave this with you. As you, how did you receive him? Walk that way. In other words, I think what he's saying is, man, I received everything he did for me. Both sides of the cross are true. I'm not only saved from my behavior, but I have a brand new identity. That doesn't change. Nothing can change that truest identity, so I'm going to walk in that. And I want to encourage you, uh, under your seats, I believe, uh, are some white little cards that have some declarations on there for you to take home. And I want to encourage you to read these out loud, speak them over your life. This is the part of renewing our minds, and this is part, these are all about identity, who you are. And there's something very powerful when you take the Word of God and you actually speak it out loud. In Ephesians 4, it talks about this. You've got to lay aside the old self. I'm still an Adam. I'm still stuck there. I have a bad, you know, my identity is a sinner. No, you lay that aside. That thought comes to your mind, you lay it aside. Then it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and then put on the new self. This is all about the new self. I encourage you, read it, speak it. Speak it over your life. Don't let the enemy lie to you that, that, no, you don't really, that's not you. That's not you. That's not true. Speak it out. Put off the old and put on the new. Let me pray, and then we're going to close. We're going to go. Does that sound good? So, Father, I thank you. I just want to take a moment. I feel led to just, just wait on you, Lord. I, I know that there are some knots in our minds that you want to gently untie. Maybe it's a, a knot of legalism. Maybe there's a, a knot in there of performance. Maybe there's a knot in there of just hating ourselves. Maybe we haven't forgiven ourselves. I don't know. But, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would do your mighty work and renew our minds to the truth of who we are in Christ. Set us free. Show us your truth. You said that, Lord. I am the truth. The truth will set you free. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Phone number three. Um, I'm, Amy has something for you. Hey, um, you know, as, as Rob was talking, um, there is there's such a rich truth to what he's saying about our identif- I, who we identify with, how we identify. And I just, I just asked Pastor Kim, I said, gosh, I feel like we would be remiss if we don't give an opportunity for people to respond to this. Because, one, what if you don't know Jesus? What if today you're here and you, you haven't ever made that decision he was talking about? Oh, my goodness, this is such powerful truth. And what if you're somebody who, like Rob, finds yourself at 40 years old, 20, 30, I mean, I don't know, that have never ever realize this about who you are in Christ, that you are doing exactly what he said, that you're trying so hard. You, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, or I'm, I'm just every day trying to work out of my performance and trying to please God and my family and everything. And it, it's, it's, so, it's so thick on me that there are people that just need to say, yes, I need Pastor Rob to pray for me. I am someone who does, who has, does not, did not, does not, have not known who I am in Christ and what that means for me and the freedom that it brings. And so if that's you today, would you please raise your hand so that Pastor Rob can pray you, pray for you and just pray that God would um, deeper relate, um, deeper minister to you, show you today in a powerful way who you truly are, what this means that you're in Christ. Um, if you have not ever made that decision to give your life to Jesus, 
um, we want to pray for you in that way too. So I'm just going to let Rob pray, but um, would you raise your hand if you're somebody who really wants God to show you um, in a greater way today your identity in him? And if you're embarrassed to raise your hand, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's a personal thing. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I know that you love us so much and you desire for us to walk in your freedom. It's for freedom that you set us free. And I just pray for every person, those who raise their hand, maybe those who didn't, and that was me for many years. I, I never raised my hand. I was just sitting there. I knew all this was going on in my heart, but I was too afraid. That's okay. The love of God is here, and he wants to show you the truth of who you really are. He wants to show you the truth of his love for you. and Truly, it's about surrender. It's not about trying harder. So I pray that, Lord, with, with our hearts before you, that if, if we're in a place where you've been striving maybe or just worried about our performance or trying so hard to please you, that we would just surrender and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I receive the whole cross. I receive it all and give you praise, give you glory. Lord, I pray that you would seal that word by the power of your Holy Spirit over every life, that the enemy doesn't come and steal it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good job. Thank you. Ah, good job. Um, I, you know what I'm super excited about? And just what we've just even seen today, Janelle, through worship, just feeling the freedom to um, just kind of go into just a little bit about the glory of the Lord and teach us about that a little bit. Um, Rob coming up, giving this incredible word based, I mean, just on the thing that, again, courses through his body in regards to identity. Amy sensing something at the end of the service to say, hey, we need to, we need to give the opportunity for a response. But here's what I want you to catch. As I'm sitting back here, I'm smiling because Amy's like, raise your hand. Rob's like, no, don't. <laughs> now, here's the beauty of that. There is so many different giftings in the body of Christ. And there's, there is a point where we do need to profess and we need to raise our hand. We need to say, yes, I do ask Jesus. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead in order to have that salvation. And yet God knows you in the innermost parts of who you are. And though he's asking for a response, he can touch you without it. And the beauty is that even in a leadership team, we are just going to allow our giftings to flow out and we're going to ask what we ask and then we're going to ask what we ask. And and sometimes it might seem conflicting. Almost like Rob's like, no, Amy, I don't want people to feel embarrassed to raise their hand. The truth is we just have different giftings and we're going to operate in those different things. And it's okay. Is that okay? So let's do that together as a body of Christ. And I would say this. If Rob's message touched your heart, find somebody in this body and just say, man, I need help with this identity topic. Next week, I'm going to be talking more about the characteristics of the family of Christ and what those characteristics are in us. Come back and hear those things because that's a good thing to know. Um, you know, Jesus said you need to be born again. When you ask Jesus in your heart and you become born again, guess what? You're given those characteristics, but many of us don't walk in them because we walk by the old, we walk by Adam and not by Christ. And just great, great job, Rob. Just good job. So, hey, that's it.